We're having a, a baptismal service in the 11 o'clock service, and I want to talk about baptism this morning and its importance and uh, why we do it the way we do it. We are, after all, called Baptists. Um, I've heard people call it Baptists, B-A-B-D-I-S. I've heard uh, children come to me and say, I want to get baptized, B-A-B-A-D-I-S. Um, but we are Baptists. And, and there's a reason why we are. There's a good reason. And uh, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 8. About baptism. And I will talk about how and when and why we do it. Acts 8, 26 through 40. I, sometimes I've used a, a smaller uh, Scripture reference out of this, but I want to read the whole passage because it's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and you've probably heard about it. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this is the desert road. And he rose and went, and behold, an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a minister of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture which he was reading was this. As a sheep led to the slaughter or a lamb before its shearer is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken up from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, pray, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. And as they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What is to prevent my being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught up Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing on, he preached the gospel to all the towns till he came to Caesarea. So here's a story about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and uh, what happened when the eunuch believed in Jesus and saw water and said, what's to prevent my being baptized? And he and Philip went down into the water, he was baptized, and he came up out of the water. I want us to talk this morning about the how, the when, and the why of baptism. Let's bow together. Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for Jesus and the fact that, that you love us that you love us. And that's all we need to know. That's all we have. And we praise you for that. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for saving us from our sins, for giving us salvation, and then calling us to be baptized so that we can show the world what you mean to us and what you have done for us. Help us take this commandment seriously and obey it. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. When I visit with children or, or anyone that we're about to baptize, we're going to baptize six this morning at, at the beginning of the 11 o'clock service. I tell them that we practice what we call believer's baptism by immersion. And that says two things. Believer's baptism means only believers who of their own free will and volition, of their own personal decision, have invited Jesus into their heart to be baptized. And then it's by immersion, which means that when we baptize, we dip you completely underneath the water. Our name Baptists was originally given to us to make fun of us. Um, originally, our name about 400 years ago was Anabaptist. Anna means again. Baptist, baptized means to dip or immerse. And so what people were making fun of us for was for baptizing fellow believers a second time. Again, because everybody 400 years ago had been baptized as infants, or so they called it. And so Baptists, they called them Anabaptists to make fun of them. It was a term of derision. And it was something that our ancestors, our Baptist ancestors, believed so strongly in that they were killed, they were drawn and quartered, they were burned at the stake because people said you are murdering the souls of infants by not baptizing infants, by not baptizing babies. They thought that what babies um, had to be baptized in order to be saved and so that's why they began baptizing infants in case infant mortality rate was high 400 years ago. And they didn't want anybody to die who had not been what they called baptized. And Baptists started refusing to do that. And they said baptism doesn't mean anything unless you are a believer. That's the New Testament pattern. That's the New Testament model. They did not believe in infant baptism. They did not believe that baptism saved you. That's where infant baptism came from. So they were persecuted and they were killed for standing by their beliefs about baptism. So what's the big deal? I mean, if our forebears were willing to die for it, why do we make so little of it? Why does it seem to be so unimportant to us today? The New Testament thought it was important. Jesus thought it was important. We teach that baptism is important. And I want to explain why this morning. And I've got it divided up into the how, the when, and the why. First of all, the how. How are we baptized? Um, and you will know that if you go into a Baptist church, all you have to do is look around and you'll find a baptistry somewhere. You'll find, uh, if, if, if the church is small and it doesn't have a baptistry, my church in Kentucky, when I was in seminary, we, when we had people to baptize, we borrowed a baptistry. We, we went to a neighboring church and baptized our members in their baptistry on Sunday afternoon. But the how of baptism, we believe, is important because we follow the pattern of the New Testament. How were folks baptized in the New Testament? Well, the word baptize in the Greek, and I have this in your bulletin, it comes from the Greek word baptizo. Uh, the infinitive is baptizein, to baptize. And it literally means to, to dip or to immerse. It means, the word baptizo literally means to dip or to immerse. And it, came, it comes from a blacksmith's shop where the blacksmith takes tongs and he picks up a piece of hot metal and he plunges it completely into the water to cool it down. That's where the word baptizo originally came from. 
a blacksmith taking a hot piece of metal with tongs and dipping it underwater to cool it down. So it means to immerse. It means to dip. And it came from a blacksmith shop. And the early church practiced baptism by immersion. If you go to any cathedral um, up through the 800s, you'll find every church had a baptistry where people were immersed. Uh, Susan, Catherine, and I had the opportunity to go to Greece about, I don't know, 14 years ago. And uh, it was interesting that they, churches had, they didn't have pools like this, but they had cut out holes in the ground and they had steps going down on one side and steps coming up out, out of the other side cut into stone. They weren't wide. It was just a wide enough for one person to go down in and dip himself down in and come up on the other side. And that was the practice of early churches. And so for the first 800 years, even the Catholic Church practiced baptism by immersion. Um, And the reason they went to sprinkling, why do you think they did that? It was more convenient. It was easier, especially in the winter months when they didn't have hot water. They just sprinkled because it was easier, it was quicker, it was more convenient. So that, they were immersing for the first 800 years. Okay, now fast forward 800 years later and get to the 1600s when the King James Version is being translated into English from the Hebrew and the Greek. So King James translators get to this word baptizo and they know it means to dip or immerse And I can just imagine them getting into a room and huddling together and say, guys, we can't translate this dip or immerse. Church of England isn't dipping and immersing. We're sprinkling. The Church of England is going to be upset. King James is going to be upset. What are we going to do? You know what they did? They made up a new word. They just transliterated baptizo. They made up a new word and just called it baptize. There was no such word when they made that up. They, They just coined it. And so they made it up, it baptized, and um, so we just translate, every time you see the word baptize, it comes from the word baptizo. It should be translated dip or immerse, because I'm not afraid of the Church of England today, and I'm not afraid of King James. So when you read the Great Commission, and Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations... The literal Greek says, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So that's the correct translation of Matthew 28, 19 in the Great Commission. And notice, even in our passage here, in Acts 8, that Philip took the Ethiopian eunuch down into the water. He brought him up out of the water. Why did he bring him up out of the water? Because he had been down in the water. Baptism by immersion is the only mode of baptism the New Testament church knew. Jesus was immersed. You remember, he walked 40 miles to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And when he got there, he waded out into the Jordan River And John the Baptist dipped him under. He waded out into the, the word in the Jordan River literally means into. He he baptized him into the Jordan. He was baptized by immersion, not because it was convenient, not because it was easy, 
but it was the only mode of baptism that they knew 2,000 years ago. They took baptism from the Jewish religion because prior to Jesus giving it new meaning, the Jews baptized by immersion <clears throat> as, a, as a rite of, of purity. When they were unclean ritually, they dipped themselves several times, cleansing themselves, purifying themselves. And so Jesus took that practice from Judaism and instilled it with new meaning. He said, this is going to represent what it means now to be a follower of me. So why is that mode of baptism so important? Because that method is wrapped up in the meaning, and you can't change the method without changing the meaning. And the meaning of baptism is, is a symbolic meaning that I belong to Jesus and that is represented by being dipped or immersed completely underwater. So that's how. Do you, are you, have I argued well for the how of baptism? By immersion, by dipping. The second thing is when. When are we to be baptized? Well, Jesus put it in this order. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples and then baptize them and then immerse them. So that means we baptize believers. We baptize believers. What does that rule out? Well, that rules out baptizing infants because infants cannot profess their faith in Jesus. Um, often people will tell me, I was baptized as an infant. I was baptized as a child. And I realize that might have been a significant moment of dedication for your family, for uh, the parents to come and present the infant to the church. But it's not New Testament baptism. Um, there's not one account in the New Testament of an infant being baptized. Every instance of baptism in the New Testament is after someone has made a profession of faith. That's when it has meaning. And, you know, I talk to folks who who are joining the church, and I want to make sure, even before I baptize them this morning, I will ask each person, do you believe in Jesus? And they say, yes, I do. If they say, I don't know, or no, I don't, I'll say, then we need to wait. We need to wait. And I have had, I had this dear lady, I think I've told you all this story before. She was, uh, she was 80 years old, and she came to me and said, Brother Wayne, I, I need to be baptized. And I said, Why? And she said, because I was baptized when I was a child, but I wasn't saved then. I just came forward and joined the church because my friends did. And it didn't mean anything. I, I invited Jesus into my heart 10 years later as a teenager, but I have not had believer's baptism by immersion subsequent to my profession of faith. So my, my first time I went through the baptistry was not believer's baptism because I wasn't a believer. Will you baptize me? I said, yes, I will. I discourage baptizing folks a second time because I don't want to diminish baptism. You know, when you have some churches where revivalists come in and they make people doubt their salvation and they bolster their professions of faith and people get saved and baptized half a dozen times. I don't want to do that. You know, I I want people to understand that when you invite Jesus into your heart, he comes in to stay. He's there. And you get baptized upon that profession of faith, and that's good for all eternity. 
You don't have to doubt your salvation. You don't have to doubt your faith. You don't have to doubt your baptism. Because when Jesus comes in, he comes in to stay. So, when, not as infants. Secondly, um, I want to say uh, it's not for salvation. We do not believe that baptism saves you. Some denominations call it baptismal regeneration. And that means that, um, that, that there is some saving significance in the rite of baptism, in the ordinance of baptism. We don't believe that. If you say that, then what you're saying, if you think about it, is that the cross wasn't sufficient by itself. You're saying that Jesus, when he died on the cross, only gave you partial salvation, and you've got to be baptized to complete it. Paul is very strong in Galatians when he says, no, the cross of Christ saves us, and that is enough. That's all it takes. You don't have to add anything to that. So the moment you invite Jesus into your heart and ask him to forgive you of your sins and become your Lord and Savior, bam, you are saved. He comes in. He's just standing at the door of your heart knocking. And if you open that door and invite him in, he comes comes in and he saves you and forgives you and becomes your Savior and, and, and hopes to be your Lord if you'll let him be your Lord and run your life and rule you. So it's not to be saved. Some denominations keep their baptistry full all the time. And if anybody joins the church, they baptize them before they have a chance to walk out the door lest they get killed in in an auto accident and they think they're not saved because they weren't baptized. We think that Jesus saves you when he comes into your heart. But baptism is still important. When should you be baptized The last thing I have there is as soon as possible. If not as a baby, if not to gain salvation, then when should you be baptized? Acts 16.33 is another great passage about Paul and the Philippian jailer. You remember Paul and Silas are in jail and they're singing and the jail doors fly open and the jailer comes in and he's ready to kill himself. And Paul says, don't do that, we're all here. And he says... In verse 30 of Acts 16, men, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your whole household, your whole household must believe in Jesus and they'll be saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. They they preached the gospel and he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized when? At once with all his family. And he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced with all his household that he had believed in God. Baptism is like an inauguration ceremony. It's not a graduation ceremony. It's an inauguration ceremony where you stand up and say, I am saved. And by baptism, you testify, now I belong to Jesus. It's like getting married, and you say, I do, and what do you do? You, you exchange vows, and the very next thing, you exchange rings. And this ring says, I belong to Susan. Baptism says, I belong to Jesus. You don't get married and then wait six months before a, a probationary period before putting on a wedding ring. You put that wedding ring on immediately to show people that you belong to, to each other. And you get baptized to show the world that you belong to Jesus. So if you have been saved, but you have never been immersed, 
Why? Why? What are you waiting for? The why I want to talk about. Why baptism is important. It doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Then why is it important? If I don't give you any other reason but this one, I hope it's enough. Because Jesus told us to. Because Jesus commanded it. If you... If, if anything else I said is not important, hasn't convinced you of the importance of baptism, then let me say it's because Jesus commanded, and it comes from that great commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I'm very careful to repeat those words when I baptize. I say, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because that's how Jesus commanded us. He didn't suggest it. He didn't uh, hope that we would comply. He, he, it's, it's an ordinance. He ordained it. He commanded it. He instructed it to do it. It's a mandate from him. So why, why is baptism important? It's because we want to be obedient to Jesus. So if you've been saved and are a follower of Jesus, but you have never experienced believer's baptism by immersion, it does not mean that you aren't saved. It just means you aren't obedient. It just means you aren't being obedient to him. And it's hard to grow in a relationship with Jesus without obedience. I've noticed that when my relationship with Jesus gets stuck, it's because there's a point somewhere in my life where he's told me to do something and I haven't done it. Because when I am obedient, my relationship is growing. And when I am disobedient, everything else kind of comes to a standstill. It kind of stops. And when you're obedient, it brings joy. Obedience brings joy. And it happens every time. I noticed it this week when the Ethiopian eunuch came up out of the water. It says, it went on his way rejoicing. Uh, in Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer and his household were baptized, it says he set food before them and he rejoiced with all his household that he had believed in God. When you are obedient to God, there is joy. Obedience brings joy. <clears throat> so being baptized doesn't make you a Christian any more than just wearing a ring makes you married. But it's a sign, it's a symbol of what has happened on the inside. I said before that, and this sounds kind of complicated, but you can think about it. Baptism is an outward manifestation of an inward experience. It's an outward testimony of what Jesus has done for you on the inside. And when I say baptism is a symbol, like the Lord's Supper elements are symbols, do not underestimate the importance of a symbol. Don't say a wedding band is not important. Do not say the American flag is not important. It's a symbol. And symbols are important because they point to greater realities. So this wedding band points to the fact that I'm married. <clears throat> this flag symbolizes the United States and our great nation. So symbols are just shorthand for powerful realities. And whereas baptism will not save you, Jesus has saved you, but he's also commanded us, go and make disciples, 
and baptize. And the word baptize means immerse. And that's why baptism is important to us today. Our Baptist ancestors died for it. Let's not underestimate it. You're saved and then baptized. If you're saved and never been baptized, why not? Let's bow together. Father, as we come, we want to be obedient to you. We say we love you. We know you love us. We worship you. We glorify you. And yet there are areas of our lives, Lord, that are still, still full of sin. There are areas that are not fully under your lordship. And so we not only want you to save us, God, we want you to, to come in and fill every corner of our heart so that there's no room for anything else. There's no room for selfishness or pride or bitterness or anger or disobedience. Be Lord of our lives too. If there's anyone here this morning who has never professed their faith publicly, Lord, convict them today. Only your spirit can do that. My words cannot. But your spirit working through the words of Scripture bring us to the point of conviction, enabling us to profess faith. And then once we're saved by the precious blood of Jesus on the cross who loved us, help us not be ashamed of that salvation, but be willing to testify before men and women, boys and girls, that we belong to you by being baptized by immersion. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.